Shabbat Shalom, everyone. You may be seated. I want to ask you an easy question and a hard question, but I need you to vote with your hands. Okay? Here's the easy question. Any of you with siblings ever have a moment, even in adulthood, but probably in childhood, where you were teasing a sibling, older or younger, running around the house, and then you tripped, you fell, you stubbed your toe really badly, and a parent called out and said, God got you. Raise your hand high if that happened to you. It happened to me. The rest of you must not have siblings. Put them up one more time so I can see. This is some percentage. More than half of the synagogue. Okay, good. So that's the easy question. Here's the hard question. How many of you believe in that theology? Whether that happened to you or not, how many of you believe that when you get punished after you've done something wrong, that it was God actually exacting that punishment and that you deserve it? Raise your hand if you believe that. I appreciate your honesty. Little less than half. I struggle with that. I struggle with that notion of what is referred to in the theological world as reward and punishment. Good deserves good, and bad deserves punishment. I struggle with that for a couple of reasons. One, the Torah seems to lay out a good model of where that happens and why that happens. Meaning, setting up clauses that by following laws and behaving, we will be rewarded. And if we don't behave and we don't follow laws, we will be punished. But there was a rabbi who bears a name similar to mine. He is much to my senior. He lives in Natick, Massachusetts. His name is Rabbi Harold Kushner. And he wrote a very well-known book. The book is entitled, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. The catalyst for him writing that book was he had a son who was afflicted with a rare genetic disease called progeria. Progeria is a disease that makes a child age approximately a decade for every year. So by the time the boy was seven years young, he had looked and had the body of an over 70-year-old boy. He didn't live to his bar mitzvah or see a length of days or maturity. As a rabbi and someone who was committed to Jewish law, to Jewish values, and a Jewish home, Rabbi Kushner was deeply troubled by this theology. How could a bad thing happen to such a good person? I bring up this dilemma, this theological dilemma, for a couple of reasons. One is, sadly, in our greater community, in the last four months, we have been challenged with premature deaths of young people. And nothing makes us ask that question more of why bad things happen to good people than such a terrible occurrence. The second reason I bring it up is from exactly what we read in the parasha. On page 747 in your rental machine, if you want to open up, you can, but you don't have to. It says in Parashat B'chukotai, the last parasha that we read in the book of Vayikra, Im B'chukotai Telechu, if you follow in my ways, operative word, and the sentence is, if. If you follow in my ways, the etnis fotai chishmeru, and my commandments you observe, v'asitamotam, v'natati gishmechem bi'itam. If you do these things that I tell you to do, then blank. It's a common cause, if then. 
If you do X, Y, and Z, then A, B, and C will happen to you. If you do D, E, and F, then Q, R, S will happen to you. If you do good, good will happen to you. If you do bad, bad will happen to you. The Torah says it right here in the Parsha we read today. If you follow my laws, if you heed my commandments, then I'll make rain in the proper season. And when it says it's going to make rain in the proper season, that is an absolute metaphor for not literal rain, but for goodness. Because rain in the time of the Bible meant sustenance. It meant that you had water to drink and your animals could drink. It meant that your crops grew. It meant that life was good. So by doing good, you were going to get good. By not following the laws, you would be punished. The problem I have with this text is that while sometimes when I was young, or, or even as I watch with my kids today, and I see them being playful one with the other or teasing, and then they stub a toe or they fall, or I did the same thing, and I hear my mother's voice call out, God got you, as she giggled away at the playfulness of her kids. I have trouble subscribing to a theology that believes in reward and punishment. Because with that theology, we know something's broken. Something doesn't work. Because it doesn't always happen that way. We know that we've seen good people suffer, and we've seen bad people flourish, and as a result of that, these words don't resonate. There are two texts that I had looked at with all of my study groups over the past few weeks. My three men's study groups, my women's study groups, and a conjoined group that we do together. And two of the texts I'm going to share with you today, both from the Talmud, one from the Tractate of Brachot and one from the Tractate of Avodah Zarah. And they both deal with this theological dilemma that we would wrestle within. The rabbis would regularly be approached in the 3rd through 7th centuries and they would be asked the very question that I'm asked in my office and others might ask you. And that someone asked Rabbi Kushner and that he felt himself. Why is it that bad things are happening to good people? So the rabbis came up with an interesting three-part answer to that question that they offer in the Talmud of Masechet Brachot. They say if you come to somebody and bad things are happening, the rabbi responds, the reason a bad thing is happening is because you did something wrong. And you need to retrace your steps and find out what it is that you did wrong. Okay. So then suppose the person retraces their steps, comes back and says, you know what? I retraced my steps. I can't figure out anything I've done wrong, but I'm still have challenges and pain in my life. What is this all about? The rabbis then answer such person by saying, the reason you're in pain, the reason you have suffering in your life is because you didn't study enough Torah. Had you studied more Torah, then for sure you wouldn't be in such pain. Well, then the rabbis ask the question, what if the person comes back and says, look, I retraced my steps, I didn't do anything to deserve this, and I study Torah every opportunity I have, the reason I'm in pain is not because I have forsaken the study of Torah. Why am I suffering? And the rabbis turn 180 degrees and they give this crazy answer. The rabbis say, you're suffering because God loves you. And God makes those that God loves suffer. I'm just as dumbfounded by that answer as you are. I see some faces up there and heads rolling. It's an absurd answer. We go to God and say, terrible things are happening to me. My best friend has cancer. I'm going through a divorce. There's challenges going on. Why is this happening to me, God? Why? Well, you did something to deserve it. Or maybe you didn't study enough Torah. Or if it's not those two reasons, then the reason is because God loves you. 
What's the problem with that answer? The problem is that the rabbis had absolutely no idea why bad things happen to good people. They had no answer. But the rabbis also had a role, especially in the 3rd through 7th century. They couldn't lose Jews to all the other competing religions that had gods that literally fit in your pocket and that could answer to all the requests and needs that you wanted and had different forms of sacrifice. They had to give an answer that people could buy into, that people could subscribe to. So by giving concrete, absolute answers, it gave people a form of comfort. So if someone comes into my office and says, by the way, I would never do this, but someone comes in my office and says, terrible things are happening to me, it's comforting to them to have an answer that says, well, that's because you did something to deserve it. And it's just as comforting to say, well, that's because God loves you, and that's what you're going through. The rabbis realized that while they didn't have an answer, that the human psyche was thirsty for some kind of answer for people who were in challenge. But then there's another text that comes later in the Talmud that juxtaposes this thought totally and leaves us in this quandary that we find ourselves theologically and religiously. And it comes from the text of Avodah Zarah, a text that deals with idol worship, interestingly. It says, if someone were to steal seeds and plant them into the ground, that the seeds should not grow, but surely they do. Again, the case. If someone were to steal seeds and plant them into the ground, the seeds should not grow, but surely they do. What does that text say? That text teaches us that when you take seeds and you put it into the ground, what happens? You become a partner with God. Because we are doing the physical act of putting the seed into the soil, but the act of fertilizing the soil and making the seed grow is supernatural. That's a part that's as miraculous as a child coming into the world. That's not something that we manufacture. That's where we see God's handiwork. And we would think that God, who is omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, that God would take someone who stole seeds and never reward them with a flourishing plant, with something that blossoms and blooms, because it was stolen. It came from a terrible means. How could that happen? But what do they answer? While it shouldn't grow, surely it does grow. Meaning God does not control, even in the part that is in God's portfolio, that is in the paradigm of God, God doesn't control what grows from the ground and what doesn't, even though that's God's handiwork. Whether it was stolen or it came from Stakah, God doesn't control that. Why? Because there is one thing that we're all given in this world. And the one thing that we are all given is the freedom to choose. That's a gift that's given to Adam and Eve as they are banished from the Garden of Eden. And it is a gift that goes to every single human being of any race, of any color, of any denomination, of any stripe. The freedom to choose. And our responsibility is to choose how to live our lives and how to make a difference in other people's lives, irregardless of the reward or the punishment that is supposed to come to us. Now, we might be driven at times to help an elderly person across the street or to give charity or to add finances to a school building because we think that by doing so, it secures our place in the world to come. It gives us a better standing with God so that for all the wrongs we do, this mitigates it. But it's not the case. We have no empirical evidence of that being the truth. It might say so in the text, 
But we know in everyday life, that's not how it works. So what is our motive? What drives us to do right versus wrong, to do good versus bad? What is the impetus to make a difference? How it feels in our heart and how we make another person feel. And all of us here know that when we've done a mitzvah, when we've helped someone out and we've made a difference in their lives, there's a reward and a satisfaction in our heart that lives that's beyond description. And it's not about the reward that's coming later and not about the recognition that's going to be printed in the shul bulletin or on some website, but how it feels right here. And sometimes when we do that reward, sometimes we realize there even is punishment that follows, as silly and as trivial as it might be. Just over a year ago, I was driving down Closter Dock Road, a beautiful afternoon, just like today, and there I saw an accident happen in front of me, where a motorcycle crashed side into a car, and the driver of the motorcycle went flying about 50 feet, head over heels, and landed hard on the pavement. I took my car and I zoomed it as fast as I could up to the crash site. We called 911 and gave him the immediate care he needed until the ambulance and police had arrived and were able to rush that man to the hospital. He had injuries. Thank God he's okay. As I pulled my car out from the scene where all the traffic had congregated and the police and the ambulance were, I backed the side of my car into a giant telephone pole. A huge dent went in it. And the police officer, who I know well, because he's here at the synagogue often, just started to laugh, as I did. And we both said, he's Christian, I'm Jewish, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> but what mitigated the pain of the silly dent in the car door, which was inconsequential and so easy to fix, was knowing that this nameless person got some aid and got some help. And it was a moment right there that crystallized these two forces of nature that proved exactly the theology that I think we wrestle with as Jews. That we aren't necessarily instantly rewarded and gratified and given recognition or notoriety based on the right things that we do, but rather we do the right things because of how it makes us feel in our hearts and how it can make another person feel in their hearts. Even though in doing that act, it might cause us to trip, it might cause a dent in the car door, or there might be something else that challenges us or tries us and makes us feel, why does this happen, even though I just did good? Because the good is about what makes us feel in our hearts and how it makes another person feel, not necessarily about the rain that's supposed to come that doesn't always at the moment that we need it. These questions on theology, and in particular when looking at them, how God acts, when we think about the loss of children, we think about people suffering, we think about challenges that we have and others have, leave us in tension and in struggle. And my answer to all of you is, that's good. So much in life is about the quick answers and the easy outs and the recipes and the bumper stickers. And we have plenty of them everywhere we go. But some things in life are supposed to stretch and hurt and burn. And our theology, our relationship with God, is indeed one of those things. I pray that as we read this parsha again, and we read other parshiot, and think about issues of reward and punishment, and good things happening to bad people, and bad things happening to good people, 
And the challenges we have in that notion, may we continue to wrestle and struggle with our relationship with God and ourselves. And may together bring us closer in that relationship. Amen. We continue.